0: Hello and welcome back to the Christian Contrast Podcast. My name is Garrett, and as usual, I'm joined uh, with Dan. Dan, how are you doing? So far, so good. Today, uh, we've also got Phil on this call with us, and we're going to be talking about freedom to love or free to love. And um, we are talking, uh, doing a little bit of debrief uh, after Dan's message on Sunday from uh, 1 John chapter 4. And I'd love to hear from both of you guys. Um, Bill, we'll start with you. Why do you think that uh, talking about uh, how to love our neighbors, talking about that God gives us the strength and freedom to love, why is that so important right now?
1: Because it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. And, you know, we're, we're in a difficult time, obviously, between um, the pandemic and protests, but we don't need pandemic, the pandemic and protests to make this a hard issue in our lives. Um, Prior to this, and for generations, we go to our homes and we see our families and we see our kids and every single day presents new opportunities or challenges to sacrifice what I want, and what's important for me on behalf of the people that I love. And if I love them, it's a hard question. Um, and it gets a little more complicated when we leave the house and we can't control the behaviors and the, and the thoughts and the feelings and the worldviews of the people around us. And it's so much easier to get riled up and, and want to, you know, fight, peck a fight, rather than actually lean into uh, scripture and lean into this passage here and remember that um, that the source of our love comes from God. And if we if that if there's a if there's a break in that connection, it's really difficult to make sure that love leads the way.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, totally agreed. We, we, don't need a, we don't need a pandemic for it to be hard to love other people, but it, it is one of those, like a, the parallel I think of, I remember when I was in college, um, I think I was a freshman. There was a guy I knew who got married. He was older than me, and um, he, uh, we were kind of like, wow, it must be amazing to be married. We were all amped about it because marriage just sounds like the greatest thing in the world, and, uh, and it was funny. It actually bugged me a little bit. He seemed a little bit down. He was like, you know what marriage does? it gives you ample opportunity to grow in humility. <laughs> and it was like smart guy, smart guy. It was smart. It was wise words even though at the time I'm like, did they just have a fight like 2 minutes ago because he yeah. just seemed down about things and you know, we're, we're all married. We all know that's true. It, it's mm-hmm. like God will give us opportunities to be humble, but if you're married, you have something right there that you sort of like can't ignore. They're where where your pride is getting thrown into your face and I, I feel like in some ways that's happened with the issue of love where um, the fact that the, like you're saying Phil with the pandemic and the protests alone we all seem to feel very very strongly about it and suddenly we're all thrust into this position where okay, opportunity is there to do some difficult love towards people that I'm really bugged with right now, or really disagree with, or really wish they would shut up, or really wish they would quit Facebook forever, or, you know, so, so I do think that it's, it's one of those things where it has highlighted that, and I think probably for also um, people at home, where it's like, wow, I really liked you when I only saw you 12 hours a week but now I'm with you all the time and it's a lot harder to put up with these things about you. So that's probably another area where it's brought people the the question how maybe I'm not as good at loving even my family as I thought I was.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's 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 interesting that we t- we're talking about this right now because it's not necessarily even though it feels like it because of the pandemic, it's not unique to our time and culture to really struggle with love. Like we're doing the Bible reading plan this is the first time I've read through some of the stories from beginning to end and reading through David's life. Like, man, there are some brutal moments that show that, like, some of God's most beloved people, some of God's chosen people, like, completely acted in pure hate towards one another. And uh, it is a unique struggle in 2020 to feel like it's really hard yeah. to love other people. And I think that's what makes Jesus' words so um, radical and inspiring because even in Jesus' time, speaking to uh, the Israelites and speaking to the Gentiles and Jesus is like, no, like we're supposed to love first, we're supposed to love our enemies, uh, that's radical. And I think uh, we're finding that message just as radical in 2020 as it was in 20. Uh, so, <laughs> Dan, share with us a little bit about how you think uh, Jesus called to love, is specifically different than how culture might perceive uh, we should love one another.
2: Sure. Yeah. and, it, and that's a huge one. And I think mo- most of us are aware of that, that um, the, the love that Jesus is talking about, it's, it's got teeth in a way that sometimes the love that we talk about, you know, through pop songs or, or just through casual conversation carries where, where we often, not always, but we often mean when we say I love that person, we mean, Um, I have fond feelings towards that person, Um, which is, you know, fond feelings are good. It's nothing to like, I I take that to the bank. I'm like, I'm glad I have fond feelings towards my wife and towards my kids. And sometimes towards each of you, um, depending on the day, but like Jesus is not saying, you know, have fond feelings towards your enemies, have fond feelings toward this is how all men will know you're my disciples, that you have fond feelings towards each other. Um, It really does. And Philly, you already alluded to it. It has to do with sacrifice. Like I was just, this morning I was rereading through First um, Corinthians 13, the great love chapter. I mean, love is patient. you got to give patience. That, that's an active choice. Love is kind. You've got to give kindness. You know, love doesn't envy, which basically means I'm going to give you the gift of being happy for you about your success instead of begrudging you your success. Right. Like these, these are active things. So when Jesus is calling us to love um, in 2020, we could look at that and just be like, Oh, okay, no problem. Because love basically means I don't throw rocks at people. I don't say things insulting about them. Um, you know, those things might be hard enough for us. Maybe not the rocks, but the insulting things. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is talking about the idea that we would give of ourselves sacrificially for people that, often we're not getting a lot back with. And so I, I think that is, that's radical no matter what year, no matter what culture, no matter what time. And it certainly is radical in a very divided United States in 2020.
0: Yeah. Phil, what do you, th- what do you think? Uh, how do you think the Christian perspective of love stands out starkly today? Um, so I'll,
1: I'll just read the, I'll, I'll read first John, Four seven through twelve, just to give folks a refresher, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, the, the cards are really on the table. And this passage is really, like for me personally, is challenging me. And it's asking me if I take my faith seriously if I really take my faith seriously during such a polarizing time especially um, am I do I have it in me to put my fears aside um, to put my ideologies aside to put anything that is causing me to stumble aside In an effort to try and understand somebody so that I can actually try and love them. And this, you know, you can look at this on a macro level, but on a micro level, um, oftentimes in my life, when I don't understand something and I can't figure it out or it feels foreign to me, my instinct is fear. Mm -hmm. And my instinct is to retreat and draw back or to peck a fight. And I think we see some of that in today's culture. But scripture is clear that our God sits on a throne of grace. And I just want to, I know, Dan, you're a big Hebrews fan. I just want to read a piece of Hebrews chapter 415. It's a good one. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But if we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy And find grace to help us in our time of need. And anytime I'm thinking about this topic of love and its demonstration, which you talked about, Dan, is sacrifice, I think about this passage because the word empathy is used. And the ability to try and really feel what someone else is feeling oftentimes can skip a beat within our lives. And to me, that really, that, that, that willingness to try and empathize with somebody else, whether it is my wife or someone else with a different perspective, really opens the door to truly trying to give grace. And if I have received that grace from my Savior, even though I didn't deserve it, the God that loved me so much sacrificed his son for me, then in what way can I reflect Christ's sacrifice in my own little way, in my own little life? And so, if grace is unmerited favor somebody to, to somebody, if grace is a gift that some might, someone else might not deserve, yet puts me, um, uh, puts me in a position to reflect my Savior if I give it, then why wouldn't I try? Why wouldn't I try? Why wouldn't I try to listen to somebody, hear somebody out, um, to try and just get a little bit closer to understanding where they're coming from or how they're feeling? which can then open the door for me to be able to love and then demonstrate that through sacrifice. When I stop, and and oftentimes we miss it, stopping and listening to somebody is a form of sacrifice. It really is because I'm putting my time and my opinions and and my thoughts and feelings aside to give you space to talk about yours. And uh, I think that's something we could use a lot more of these days.
2: Well, and I'm glad. Like I, I was going to ask you about this, Phil, because, and I'm glad you already brought it up. Because, I mean, we we got lots of great staff members who could have had really good things to say about love, you know, for this episode. Um, but I know I wanted you on this one, and the, the main reason I wanted you on this one is because of a lot of what you just shared. Like I, you know, we we've known each other for over eight years now, and if I was to describe you to other people who don't know you, one of the things I would say is, um, Phil is a guy that seems to have a way of showing charity and empathy to people that are very, very easy to dismiss. Um, And so I, uh, you know, I mean, like I, one of the funny stories about this was when that woman came up to you and complained about the sloth in our church years ago, Phil somehow gets complaints about people that aren't even him. It was, you know, me, (laughs) I, maybe I, I have an untucked shirt, which I always do. And I'm preaching out of that. And some, woman who is new to our church comes up to Phil afterwards and says I just I can't believe the sloth at this church and Phil's like befuddled like uh, this is the new one like I haven't heard. and just you know I mean she she was rude she she was not polite in the whole thing you know we all have things like that but but I just remember in the aftermath you saying things like she probably comes from a church where that's very important and that's hard for her to turn off and I'm just sort of like she was being terrible. Like that was like my conclusion on it was she was being terrible. But your conclusion on it was there's something, it doesn't excuse bad behavior, but there's something behind this. And so I just, I'm, I'm not looking for the secret sauce here, but just do you feel like there have been either practices or habits that you found yourself in that, that have helped you in situations where it's like, it's the easiest thing in the world just to say, here's the conclusion, they're a jerk. But instead, to say, I'm I'm going to try to sacrificially understand this person, so that so that I can practice love towards them instead of just dismissing them.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I, I said earlier, and, and and thank you, Dan, for your, your kind words. Even though I'm I'm sitting here um, in 2020, looking like I'm a i am run a cabana in Miami, <laughs> circa 1974. It means a lot to me. Only um, you, you're dreaming.
0: <laughs> If we, if we could all just be in Miami running a cabana, no virus on the beach. You've
2: even got, you've even got the salmon shirt going. so it's I, all- know.
1: <laughs> I know. I I'm, know. I'm playing the role today. Um, here's the thing. Uh, I desperately hope and want people to give me the benefit of the doubt, right? To, um, to approach me as though I'm not waking up in the morning trying to figure out a way to stick it to you. Um, that if I do something wrong, I didn't wake up that day planning to do something wrong. I don't think any of us do. I don't think any of us, and and regardless of what we're watching on TV or what we're reading in the news or what we see on Twitter, um, that, ev- that, that each of these folks who represent something different than what we represent is waking up trying to make the world a worse place legitimately. And so, you know, the woman that you referred to, um, who knows what her story was, who knows where she came from. And in that moment, because my hope is that people would give me the benefit of the doubt that if Christ sacrificed for me, I can take in this little moment and give her a little bit of grace. And, and it comes from hoping that, um, that people approach me in that way. And, and as Christians, um, like I said earlier, the cards are on the table because this is this passage and the sermon this week, especially coming off a week where we talked about pride and we talked substantively about pride and how pride and arrogance um, uh, and being self-absorbed just really keep us from being able to put our knees at the foot of the cross being able to take and put my needs aside and my thoughts and feelings aside for the sake of someone else, man, that honors God. It really does. And if we want to try and honor God in our daily lives, then we're going to try and look for ways that we can better understand and then look for ways, excuses to give folks the benefit of the doubt that they might receive one one one-tenth of what we've received from our Savior so that they might see him, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I no, I I appreciate. Oh no, you go ahead, Gary. You were about to say something.
0: Well, I just think you bring up a really good question. What does it take to seek to understand and move from a place of maybe dismissal to a place of to a love? Which um, I think as Christians we want to think is easy, but is, is very difficult. Uh, it reminds me of a trip that I went on uh, my previous church. Uh, it was a trip to the border where we were going on an immersion project to learn about the journey of an immigrant. And it was a peace making project. And it was an optional trip, but I remember thinking, my default, it's kind of easy for me um, to kind of dismiss uh, the immigrant's journey or even the illegal immigrant's journey into our country. And I I was thinking, well, that's not necessarily a Christ-like heart. Like, Christ doesn't necessarily care about all those other political systems. And on this trip, uh, we weren't supposed to suggest any ministry, we weren't supposed to suggest any solutions. We were just listening. And we listen to border patrol agents. We listened, We stayed at a at a place where when they get rejected at the border, these individuals have to figure out their next step. Uh, we listened to to mothers who have been deported, but their children were still back in America. And if you want to to learn how to love someone, you've got to listen to them, and you've got to understand their perspective. Because our default, and I think our sin nature, it's so much easier to dismiss someone, especially the further their worldview is from ours and the further their life experience from ours, the the more different than it is. And it's easier to say something like, um, you know, uh, it's a legal act. So I don't need to put my heart in their uh, perspective or put my, my life in their, uh, their life journey. And so, yeah, coming after that, that I have more love from people, for people's journey uh, of wanting to come to America. Yeah, for sure. I spent three days listening to their story and hearing their heart. And we can do that and we don't have to go on a trip to another country. We can do that in very small ways. So the person that comes up to us with a complaint, um, even though Dan, you were joking to the person who drives past us too fast or is sitting in front of us in traffic too slow. Um, if we seek first to understand, uh, that's the first step to building love. And I think without that step, um, I don't know, maybe we're faking it until we understand, or, or maybe we're just placating, um, what we know God wants us to do because I, one of, one of the things we want to talk about today is how hard it is. Right. Like God knows that it's hard. I mean, look at the stories of most people's journey in the Bible. Our default human nature or sin nature is not to offer grace and to extend love or to seek to understand. It's kind of to protect, uh, to, uh, defend, um, not to sacrificially give of our time to, to, to understand someone. And so I think that, um, Gosh, it's almost like it's way too easy to say go out and love your neighbor. We should say something like go out and just listen and spend time and start there. Yeah. Uh,
1: wanna... I'm sorry, Dan. I just real quickly here. Uh, verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God. And that's like you you called them bold words earlier, Dan. This is like shocking, right? Yeah. Uh, th- this is uh, – Garrett, you had said that the trip was optional. And that's a, key, that's, that's a key word there because it takes a concerted effort for us to step out of our comfort zone and try and learn. And Dan, you, earlier you were asking, well, what, you know, what steps do you sort of take to, um, uh, to allow love to grow? And so, you know, the, One of the things that Amy and I have tried to do for, for many years now is when there's a big issue in culture, we try and make concerted efforts to learn more, to try and understand more, whether it's through movies or documentaries or, 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 or talking to people, listening to interviews, that kind of thing. We try and make concerted efforts. And when talking about love and sacrifice, man, there are so many wonderful and incredible and amazing stories of people throughout history that have taken and reflected Christ's sacrifice within their own life. Um, As a brief example, Amy and I just watched the movie Harriet, um, which is the story about Harriet Tubman. It's not a story that I knew well at all, but she was a slave in uh, the 1840s and 1850s and came to a place in 1849 where she knew her life was going to be either freedom or death. And she uh, left uh, the plantation in Maryland and, and went 100 miles on foot and made it to Philadelphia and then spent a year there safe with a job and then made the decision that she could not do that. She had to go back for her family. And over the next 13 years would then make that trip by herself on foot as part of the Underground Railroad and helped hundreds of slaves escape because, and, and they do such a good job in the movie where she stops and, and, and specifically says, the Holy Spirit is telling me that I need to do this. What an incredible, real example of someone absolutely sacrificing their well-being and their safety because of the sake of others. And, and there's a lot of those kind of stories in our lives.
2: Yeah. No, I, and I think that's powerful. And I just think, you know, the, the other scripture that you shared, Phil, from Hebrews chapter four, like that, that is such a like bedrock comforting passage to me to think of. Jesus knows my weaknesses. He knows. He knows he's not surprised. He's not ashamed of me because of my weaknesses. Doesn't mean my, my weaknesses are good. Doesn't mean my sin is good, but it means he's, he's not shocked by it and he's not casting me off because of it. And, and I just think, like we're talking about, I mean, acts of love take sacrifice. And I think one of the comforts for me it, in all of this is just saying, um, God knows my frailty and my limits. And so God is not ashamed of me when I feel like I need him desperately. Um, You know, and for me, I I don't know if others will relate to this, but I mean, I I had a thing last week where I had a couple conversations and realized, all right, there's a phone call I need to make. It was very important pastoral phone call to make. And I was like, this does not sound like fun. Like this, I knew this is going to drain me. It, it needs to happen. It's going to be exhausting. I think God will do good from it. But man, it sounds exhausting. And I was like, um, I can't do it today. I'm going to have to do it tomorrow. And for me, just even talking about like, it was such a comfort just to know like, God is not looking at me being like, shape up. You know, like if it was a desperate situation and it really had to happen today, I, I would have needed to push through and God would have sustained me in that. But just the idea, like, you know, I mean, even when we, we all have kids, there are times with the kids um, where we're all just say to them, like, hey, like, I, I am going to be happy to play that game with you. Um, in fact, it happened this morning. I was like, I just need to finish reading this chapter. Um, and just the idea, like, God, God is not shocked by the fact that we're limited. First John 4 says we are incapable of loving others unless we are – living, you know, in the vine, the branches, the reality of God's love for us. So for me, part of the comfort in this is just saying, all right, first of all, we are being cold. Um, you try to muster up love. You're like a branch that's separated from the tree being like, I can do it. You can't do it. And so we need that. And then I think we, we can also, we can experience, uh, you know, people will talk about like, I, I need to give myself a break. And I'm like, that that, that never resonates with me. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't feel great that I get to decide I deserve a break or I need a break. What I love is finding out that the God of the universe is inviting me to rest in him. I'm like, his opinion on the matter matters a whole lot more than mine does. So just the idea of saying God is not looking at this weakness or this incapacity right now as some sort of failure. He's he's recognizing that I desperately need him. And he's going to give the grace, going to give the mercy, going to give the help. Um, and and when you have that, I mean, when you have that connection with God, when you recognize, when you've spent time dwelling in the ideas of like, I, man, I, I should be in hell. Like, I, I should be condemned. I should be rejected. And yet God not only passed that over, he didn't just say, we're going to forget about that. He actively has brought me into the family at great cost to himself it suddenly makes other people not seem quite so terrible and so different than me because part of that love understanding is the idea that, you know, that, and, and, and not to pick, cause we don't know this, we, we never saw this woman again, but just, you know, this, this woman who is rude to you to pick her and be like, um, she is not a different species than me. She is me. I am her. Like we're the difference is tiny. Um, and, you know, and then even, you know, having more humbling things where you're looking at, you know, somebody that's, that's being um, a very, very difficult or immoral person in a public way because they're a celebrity or a politician and, and just the easy path of despising them and somebody saying, like, that person is me. That person is not a different species. I, I'm not going to affirm bad behavior, but the idea, this is where pride and love, th- these are connected. Like, pride kills love and humility opens the door for love. So just being able to look at people and be like, am I really saying I don't think I could get to the point that I would go up to somebody at a church I didn't know and speak rudely to them? Like, I'm pretty sure I have that in me. I'm pretty sure I'm capable of that horror that we're, we're all mortified over. Um, and, and as you said, I, I would want somebody to give me a break. I would want somebody to say, you must have had a hard day. Um, I, I want to give him compassion instead of just writing him off. Yeah.
0: That's really good, Dan. Uh, as we end, I'd love to hear from from each of us, you know, what maybe is, um, I don't know, like a good next step when it comes to practicing our love muscle, you know, like how did we develop uh, more of a default nature? Because one of the things I was thinking of, Dan, is that as you shared very personally about, um, you know, your hope that you've become more of an accepting, loving person, is it reminds me of kind of how difficult it is to share Um, where we failed in that area, reminded me of when we talked about like sin, uh, 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 you know, um, confessing our sins to others, or we talked about how to be more open to our mental health struggles. It reminds me like, how can we be a church community that's more open to someone saying like, I struggle with loving this person or loving this group of people um, without feeling like someone's going to judge you for not being the perfect Christian. Because I think that until we're ready and willing to admit, Um, that it's not only is it really hard, we're really not good at doing it. It's easy to love our our friend and our family, very difficult to love the other person that's different. Um, I would, I think a great mix up would be find ways to practice confessing to others um, that you're not good at loving other people or, or this specific group or this person and that you need prayer that the Holy Spirit will fill you with enough strength to love that person. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's great. Well, one thing, there's lots of great stuff to be said. I I know some of it will be said, but um, for me, one really powerful thing is to have the humility to identify individuals or groups that are very, very difficult for us right now and to begin actively praying for those people. Like I, you know, it's a microcosm story, but when I was in college, um, I I went to Israel um, for a semester, which was awesome my best friend was there with me and there was one person on our trip who just, I could not stand her. She just, she got my goat. I just, I was having such a hard time. And, uh, when I admitted it to Dave, um, my best friend, I was kind of thinking he was going to like commiserate with me on how miserable this person was. And instead what he said is, um, I think you should start praying for her every day. And I was like, well, that's not what I wanted to hear. (laughs) Um, and I did, and God did really change my heart towards her. And just, I was being really, I was being really ridiculous over the whole thing. So I would just say, you know, I mean, if, if we're looking at it, you know, as, as church members and, and we're looking at it and there's somebody in your life group or even just somebody else in the church that for some reason or another, you're just thinking like, I am just, I, I feel like I'm at odds with that person. Um, start praying for them and start praying for your heart towards them. If right now you're looking at it and being like, Democrats are just the worst, Um, start praying for Democrats in general and the most prominent, start praying for Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Gavin Newsom and all the, you know, if you're just like the president and Republicans are the worst, start praying for President Trump and Mitch McConnell, like, and all of your Republican friends who are the most conservative, annoying, outspoken, like, I think like God just does something in this. It's hard to pray for somebody and still despise them. Mm. God does something in our hearts. So I would say, man, take, take the humble pill and begin to pray. And it's, it's not some magic trick. God
1: works through those things. Yeah, that's great, Dan. And I would say, you know, I would just add like uh, a lot of what you're talking about is, um, is personalizing, um, taking and personalizing this, this topic. and you know, when I was doing the, uh, uh I did a, a sh- short devotion on first Peter five with the kids, um, that's on Facebook. And as I was doing that devotion, it occurred to me, you know, one of the, one of the past part of the passage say- states, God opposes the proud. And if he opposes the proud, you know, when, when, when you're, when you have an opponent, that, that, that means that you're, that that's the other team is typically your opponent, like in sports. And, and it occurred to me, I was like, if I'm proud. Does that mean God's on the other team playing against me? Mm-hmm. And it was sort of a good lesson for the kids and myself at the same time. I was like, holy cow, like if I lead with pride, God is on the other team, Yeah. right? And he's going to beat me, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes. And, and you called it a pill, Dan. The, the antidote is, is humility because under his mighty hand, God raises you up when you allow humility to infect your life. And when you when you take that idea of God being on the other team, and humility, um, allowing you to cross that bridge onto God's team, and then with the realization that um, God is love, and you don't know Him unless unless God's love, unless you love God, you can't love. Um, to me, that there's a freedom that has come with Christ's sacrifice that God sent his son to sacrifice for us because we've been radically set free. And are there, are there moments in my life that I can take these challenges seriously in my daily life? Um, is it possible that if Christ's sacrifices open the door to freedom for us, that maybe a sacrifice in my life can open the door to let people see Jesus in a moment. So if I'm fighting with my spouse and pride is on the other side and humility is what defeats pride and I'm meant to love my spouse, then maybe the first step is, regardless of how you feel, be the first to say sorry. Hmm. Start there. Be the first to say, you know what, I'm sorry. And then listen, if, uh, if this is a time where you feel like wearing masks is ridiculous and it's pretty crazy and, and all this is overblown, find someone you know is scared and say, I'm really sorry. Can I, can I, hear, can I just hear how you're doing? Start there. And if you're really scared and you're wondering what is like, how could these people be saying A, B, C, and D go up and say, I'm sorry. Can you help me understand your perspective? Hmm. To me, that is a, those are the kinds of first steps that open the door to really, truly love. folks. Totally.
0: Wow, guys, thanks so much. There's so much good wisdom here. Uh, those are all really easy things to do. So I, I appreciate that. And, uh, <laughs> I'll get on that right now. Um, <laughs> But they're not, but they're good and they're deep and they're extremely important. My hope and dream is that uh, through this podcast, we could get a little bit of dialogue going about uh, how hard it is to love those that we don't understand. Um, what are some good examples of, of when we've been able to practice love? And so uh, we encourage those to, for those of you who are listening or watching, uh, to dialogue in the comments, share your stories. And our hope is that these podcasts aren't just one way communication from us talking to our community but instead it's an opportunity for the community uh to dialogue and deepen our community and better understand one another so i want to thank you guys uh for being on the show and i really appreciate your time absolutely thanks guys hey cabana number
1: four is ready and i've got fresh towels <laughs> i'll be right back a drink <laughs>